Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And good afternoon and welcome on its Tuesday, August 16th, the year 2022. All the college teams in full-fledged um, practice mode as positions are trying to be won. Coaches trying to find out the who's and the who can'ts. The Saints are up in Wisconsin and a lot, a lot to talk about. So we welcome you and thank you so much for joining us in whatever form or fashion that you do. My main man, James Mesh, who just did the two-minute drill, he's back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041. We're streaming everywhere on the face of this earth and beyond on 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. If you happen to be in the Acadiana area and you're near a television set, well, you can turn that on because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the LSU quarterback job is now a race between two. It's a match race. It's a match race. Jaden Daniels, Garrett Nussmeyer. Daniels uh, uh, now with the departure of Miles Brennan. Uh, Daniels has the apparent edge based on practice reps. Remember, Nussmeyer's been hurt just a little bit, but he's a full go to go as we speak. Daniels and Nussmeyer split reps with the first team in 11-on-11 run-throughs yesterday. Uh, Walker Howard worked with the twos, the freshmen, out of St. Thomas More. Um, Nussmeyer's not bothered by the ankle sprain anymore, and tomorrow is a huge day at 10.30. The Tigers will uh, will scrimmage, and they will get after it. They'll get after it. We'll talk about the LSU Tigers with Matthew Bruni coming up shortly. Um, the Ragin' Cajuns have uh, had a you know, the, the preseason entered their second week this weekend. The team conducted its first scrimmage on Saturday. Um, we'll find out the timeline for Coach Desimo and who's going to be his starting quarterback. And we'll also talk about what their offensive and defensive schemes are going to look like under a new head coach. Is it going to be very similar to what Billy Napier did? Or is Coach Des going to put his own wrinkles in there. We'll find out all of that with Corey Diaz uh, coming up shortly. And then Bob Rose of the Saints News Network joins us each and every Tuesday for the Black and Gold Report. And the Saints are in Wisconsin for three days of practices against the Green Bay Packers leading up to Friday's preseason game number two. Jameis Winston wore shoulder pads and signed autographs for fans prior to the practice today. Um, but that was it for the Saints starting quarterback who watched from the sidelines without his shoulder pads once practice began. It was a fourth straight 
practice that Winston has missed after spraining his right foot last Monday in Metairie. Winston was also held out of Saturday's preseason opener in Houston against the Texans. He's listed as day-to-day. You don't need to, to really worry about anything right here, right now. But today's practice, the first of three, and a very critical time as you see what you can do against uh, a new opponent, someone that really doesn't game plan for you, doesn't know what you do after all the practices that the offense and the defense have gone up against one another. You kind of know and, and, and know what to expect and know where players are going. So um, this will be a new test and a new deal. We'll find out all the things that happened on that one. Uh, today with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network as uh, the Saints are a three-point underdog to the Green Bay Packers for Friday night's game. And they have the um, the lowest week two total. Uh, the over-under, 39-and-a-half. The Saints' 17-13 loss to the Houston Texans was the second lowest total of week one and one of only three unders. So if you're in the betting mood, um, the over-under, 39-and-a-half. Uh, you can't imagine too many of the, uh, of the stars playing, particularly when they go up against one another uh, in these three practices. The coach will have all the tape they need, all the film they want um, at, to determine um, who's coming along and who's not. Speaking of a team that's not coming on, the Dallas Cowboys appeared to be in midseason form in their preseason opener, at least when it came to, to the penalty department, right? You remember last year they led the NFL with 127 penalties. That's, that's right under seven and a half penalties a game. My gosh, that's terrible. And the Cowboys committed 17 penalties in a preseason loss Saturday to the Denver Broncos. 17. 17. The penalties hurt Dallas all last season. And that's something that Mike McCarthy vowed to clean up after his team committed 14 penalties in the wild card playoff loss to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know why everybody's so high on the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't get it. I don't. Do you have any faith in Mike McCarthy as a coach? He is to the NFL what Les Miles was to college football as far as sideline management is concerned. The worst. Clock management. The worst. So I, I just uh, I'm not into the um, Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just not just not for um, political reasons. The NBA uh, will avoid scheduling regular season games on election day. So the NBA will be off the league schedule for the coming season. will have all 30 teams playing on November 7th, the night before the midterm elections. The NBA is hoping teams use that night as an opportunity to encourage fans to get out and vote and plus amplify the need for civic engagement uh so the nba making a decision uh there in major league baseball the pennant races look like this the new york yankees have lost two in a row they've lost eight of their last 10 what looked like was going to be a uh, a, a season for the ages now they're struggling just to just to get to 100 wins something that if you had asked me 
before the month of August, I'd have said, shit, it's not, it's not 100. How high over 100 will they go? Well, they're 72 and 44. No threat are the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jays. They're both 10 games back of the Yankees. But right now, the Houston Astros are the Vegas favorite to win the American League Championship Series and go on to the World Series. In the Central, the Cleveland Guardians uh, have won eight of their last ten, surpassing the Minnesota Twins, who have lost four, who've won four of their last ten. So that six-game swing uh, has gotten the Guardians a two-game lead over the Twins and a two-game win lead over the Chicago White Sox. In the West, the Astros, six and four, their last ten. They've outscored their opponents by 139 runs this year. They're 39 and 18 at minute made 36 and 24 on the road for a 75 and 42 record 64% winning clip and they're 12 games over the Mariners 22 over the Rangers 23 and a half over the biggest disappointment disappointing team in Major League Baseball the Los Angeles Angels and the Oakland A's are 33 and a half back what do you do on those teams sheesh Louise I over in the National League, boy, uh, the Atlanta Braves are, are are coming on again. Remember, the Mets got the best of the Braves. Uh, the Braves are returning the favor now. They have won seven in a row, and they've narrowed the gap uh, of the New York Mets now to four and a half games. The Mets, with one of the best records in baseball at home, they are 40-19 and 19 uh at home uh so they're doing well there but right now the braves are coming and coming on strong uh and the philadelphia phillies have dropped back 10 and a half games back there the central in the national league the redbirds have won seven of their last 10 they've got a two-game lead over the milwaukee brewers and in the west it's the la dodgers nine of their last 10 they have won uh and they have a 17 game lead over the padres the best record in baseball at 80 and 34 winning at 70 percent no one else is even close to that so baseball again um coming down the stretch and it looks like we only have maybe one, two, three horse races. All the rest, the hay's in the barn, plain and simple. Our guest list today, uh, I told you about that. Matthew Bruni will be joining us here shortly, and we'll talk all things LSU leading up to tomorrow's huge scrimmage. Will a quarterback really separate after tomorrow? Will a running back separate? After tomorrow, offensive line looks set, defensive line looks set, defensive backfield. Who's going to to overcome and step up and, and, and nab one of those corner positions? And of course, field goal kicker is key. Four players still in contention. So may the best man win. So we got the Tigers. We got the Cajuns. We'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys and we've got the Saints. Here we go. Tuesday edition of the Jordy Hulpert Show brought to you by 
Cajun Chef, best hot sauce on the planet, right there in St. Martinville, Louisiana. The Billard family for decade after decade after decade. Family traditional recipes. They come up with the best hot sauce because they use the best products. Only the finest peppers and all the finest products that go along with it. It's the best. You can find it at your favorite grocery store. You can find it at your favorite restaurant. But sometimes you go someplace and they just haven't seen the light yet. So do like I do. Bring a small bottle with you wherever you go because everything, and I mean everything, tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. All right, first time out of the day. When we come back, we're talking LSU Tigers here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Here's what you missed on the latest edition of RP3 and Company. Because I was young and kind of stupid. And what I mean by that is, I thought these players that were making all these sensational plays during the preseason were actually going to make my team's roster. And the majority of the time, they did not. Majority of the time, you don't see your starters, you don't see your favorite players play in preseason games. Tune in weekdays to RP3 and Company here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, welcome back. 17 minutes after the hour, we're talking Tigers now, brought to you by Eon of Lafayette, soon to be Eon of Baton Rouge and Mandeville, the first robotic touchless laser device that gets rid of that unwanted, un, uh, that fat around your tummy. It doesn't, you don't feel a thing, and it is so effective. Also effective is our guest, Matthew Bruni, who covers the LSU Tigers. Matthew, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. No rain yet. And, uh, yeah, I got some... Uh player interviews earlier but other than that it's been a been a good week good start to the week obviously some news breaking but yeah yeah okay um miles brennan of course the big news yesterday um now it's a two-horse race um people are going out there saying well brian kelly should have never taken him out of the portal he should have left him there let him go uh because soon thereafter they they bring in Jaden daniels uh, brennan should have seen the handwriting on the wall how do you sum this all up and and was he treated fairly in your opinion i competition in college football is, is always or at least at this moment, going to be fickle with the transfer portal. It's going to have coaches, you know, telling players that they can compete for a starting job and not guaranteeing them anything, which with the transfer portal is going to be difficult for players to weigh their options correctly. I think Miles Brennan was, A, treated fairly, and given the circumstances going into it, when they when they asked him to come back and when he did pull his name from the transfer portal, he knew how good Garrett Nussmeyer was. He knew he would have to beat him out for the starting mm-hmm. job going into this. I, I mean, anybody who watched Garrett Nussmeyer in practice last year knew how talented he was. So even if him coming back and even if they didn't add Jaden Daniels, there was going to be no guarantee that he got the starting job. And, um, now, adding Jaden Daniels afterwards obviously complicated things even more. However, Talking to Brennan throughout the summer and the spring, or and yeah, the spring and the fall camp, he was definitely open to the competition aspect of it. And he it wasn't something that he was turned off by. It was something he embraced. I think just at the end of the day, it was too much to overcome. And so it is unfortunate that you know he can't, he wasn't able to go play somewhere else, and you know really 
have that one season where he could play college football. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's it, it's been un, it's been an unlucky career for him, and I think that he was given a fair shot, and it just didn't work okay. out. In the grand scheme of things, he just um, you know competition it sorts itself uh, it sorts itself out. It's the greatest equalizer out there, and apparently. Um, According to all those that witnessed, and more importantly, the coaches, uh, Nussmeyer and Daniels were just better. And maybe maybe the inactivity and all the injuries finally caught up uh, with Miles Brennan. He just wasn't as good as the others. Is that a fair assessment? I, I think so. I mean, you and I have both been higher on Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer than the general public. I mean, again, you know, as a guy who runs message boards, half the time for, for my job. I mean, you couldn't find anybody that uh, said it wasn't going to be Miles Brennan coming out of spring. And so we we both, uh, you and I both said Jaden Daniels had a very, very good shot. And now we come out of this going uh, halfway through fall camp and it's Daniels versus Nussmeyer. And I think Nussmeyer's arm, I, in my opinion, he's the best thrower of the football in the room by a decent margin. Uh, Jaden Daniels obviously has the legs. He's incredibly fast, and I think he's actually made significant improvements, not just mild improvements. I think he's made significant improvements to his footwork, to his delivery. Uh, Joe Sloan's done a great job with him. Just watching him in the fall, I I can start to see the improvement. So um, I think those two were just better at the end of the day, and I think that Mm -hmm. either one that wins the job, I think is going to put LSU in a pretty good position going into this year. Uh, tomorrow's a big day then, right? Tomorrow, I'm sure they'll get equal reps with the number ones, um, and we'll see who has the better day. Do you believe that this scrimmage will determine once and for all who the starting quarterback will be? I mean, we're, what are we, 19 days away from the start of uh, uh, the college football season for LSU? So after after Wednesday, that'll be 18, 17 days. Isn't it about time for, is it? And, uh, so is this scrimmage going to determine it? As much as I would love it to, I, I don't think it will. Um, I think it'll give us a lot of maybe clarification on some things and maybe what they're doing with the offense around those two guys. Um, and maybe we get to learn more about Denbrock than anything because the first open practice wasn't as revealing to us really at all. Right. Um, you know, we got to see a little bit here and there, but I think this one, since they couldn't play in Tiger Stadium that first full practice, they, they're going to be really antsy to rev it up a good amount um, in, in the coming days. So I think this one will, will start to show us a lot of what Denbrock wants. And in turn, I think on Saturday um, we get to, um, their entire stadium again for thir- uh, and we'll get to watch 30 minutes of that. I think Saturday is where we will start to learn more and more. And then okay. another scrimmage on the 23rd on Tuesday. And I think those are the ones that are going to start to determine gotcha. it. Okay, so still fluid. Uh, when I think of when I think of Miles Brennan, uh, six years at LSU, six. He had three head coaches. He had five offensive coordinators. He had to go up against nine scholarship quarterbacks, and he suffered two season-ending injuries. I mean that that's a lot on anybody's plate. But he handled it with decorum. He handled it in the true spirit of things. I, I thought, you know, I mean, he'll be remembered for more of the things off the field, obviously, than on the field. Uh, but I don't think there's anybody that can doubt that he loved he loved LSU. Yes, I mean definitely, and not for nothing. You know, he was behind Burrow and a part yeah. of that championship. 
And I, I think anybody who goes through six years and goes through the ups and downs, I couldn't imagine, you know, playing those three games in 2020 the way that he did and then having your season in there. And then 2021, rev up and unfortunate uh, accident, and you missed the entire season then, too. It's just I couldn't imagine the amount of what if that would be going through my mind at that point. So it's, it's incredibly tough, but he was always um, a great teammate and, you know, a great with the media. And so I'm yeah. sure people remember him very fondly uh, moving forward. Good kid. Is the quarterback, I mean, look, quarterback is always going to draw all the attention because yeah, everybody knows it's the most important position on the field. But is the quarterback race as close as the defensive secondary is? Because of late, last practice, Jarek Bernard Converse and Colby Richardson from McNeese worked at first-team quarterback with seven banks and Makai Gardner with the twos. How wide open is the defensive secondary? It's become very wide open, which is surprising because, um, and not not I'll add I'll add in there, Major Burns and Joe Fusha at the safety spot, I believe, yeah. are battling it out for that spot right next to Jay Ward. So you have three yeah. of the five in very serious competition here. Again, going into the fall, if you would ask me if there would have been any changes, I would have said no. I thought it was going to be uh, Derek Bernard, Gardner. Uh, Fusha, Ward, and Brooks. Well, only Ward and Brooks have gotten you know all of the first team snaps. The rest of them have kind of rotated, and I think that's a good thing. You know, we have talked a lot about the depth and in the secondary and the cornerback position specifically. If Colby, if Colby Richardson is able to play, even if he's not a starter, that's a huge boost. And and also the questions I had about Seven Banks coming into the year, uh, or at least into the fall, coming off injury, you know, coming off question marks at Ohio State. If he's playing at that level, I mean, that's good. I mean, now it is yeah. concerning a bit that you don't have, you know, those that one or two guys that really lock it down. But, I mean, four guys that are solid or good, you know, that, that might be better than just having one or two guys that are really good and not having anyone behind them. Is it safe to say that Colby Richardson has been the surprise of camp? Nobody mentioned this kid. Nobody. <laughs> and now he's with the first unit. Yeah. No, he's... He, Def, I mean, definitely. I'm trying to think of somebody else, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody. He's been uh, a real surprise to watch him go out there and compete. Like I said, compete, not only compete with, um, you know, the backups like a Radarius Jones or a, the freshman or whatever. He's competing with a guy in Drake Bernard Converse who was first team all Big 12, Makai Gardner, who I thought had a great spring and was really talented. Uh, Seven Banks, the guy from Ohio State, highly rated and true. Like, he, he's competing with, with dudes. So it's definitely been one of the biggest surprises. Again, whether he starts or not, I, I, I don't know. But I, even, even if he doesn't start, him playing at that level is a, is a huge, huge boost to the, the cornerback room. Matthew Bruni with the first reference to dudes on the day. I love it uh, very much. We always talk about the offensive line. That seems set in stone. Has the depth factor on the defensive line played itself out? How do you feel about that position group? On the defensive line, um, yes, it's it is working itself out. I think Makai Wingo has always been locked in there. Jacoby and Guillory's always been locked in there. Um, you know, at the other defensive end positions, Quincy Wiggins, Savion Jones have kind of been battling, you know, to be behind Ali Gay. Uh, the Jack position, you have Desmond Little and Xavier Carter battling it out, but behind BJ Ojolari. So you always have the starting four; those are locked in, you know, 
sprinted in. Uh, behind them, I just think Makai Wingo is too good not to see the field a significant amount of time. So yeah. he's the one that kind of leads things off. And then, I mean, Quincy Wiggins, as a freshman, could be, you know, that Mason, what Mason Smith was last year, you know, how he kind of emerged on the scene. So, and if that happens, then good luck offensive lines that they play because yeah. that's going to be, uh, that's going to be real tough. Let's just take a guess at things. Who has a better statistical year, BJ Ojolari or Ali Gay? I think BJ Ojolari will have more sacks um, because of the defense Madhouse kind of runs and what we expect him to do on defense. Uh, you know, he's going to fill into that Josh Allen role where Josh Allen was at Kentucky uh, at the Jack linebacker spot, played the same position, did, had the same role, and Josh Allen ended the season with 17 sacks, I believe. So even mm-hmm. if he doesn't hit 17 sacks, I mean, if he ends up with 12 or 11, I That'd mean, that's awesome. probably going to get the job. Um, yeah, we, and, but, and get drafted very high. We we need a LSU needs a pass rushing phenom. That's what they need because that makes that secondary all the better. The other big question mark, and I don't know when this is going to be determined. But LSU's got to find a field goal kicker. Apparently, they got four of them, and they can't decide on that one, and that's critical. Yeah, um, I, I've said before, Nathan Divert, I expect to get the job. But they've thrown in a, a few guys here, Zeke Mata, uh, Trey Finneson, uh, some other, some guys who are, you know, walk-ons that have competed. You know, they're a little mm-hmm. older, you know, got some competition uh, here for the kicker position, which isn't the worst thing in the world. But Nathan Dybert, still, I'm going to hold out that he's going to be be the one to, to go out there and, and be the, the place kicker on Saturday. You've seen a bunch of practices. You've seen kind of a half uh, practice, a little bit of a scrimmage. You're going to go tomorrow. Have you changed your your thoughts on this LSU foot, football team at all from the end of spring to where we are now? Do you feel better? Do you feel the same? Do you do you feel a little bit worse about this club? Man, I, I have to I have to weigh uh, I have to weigh in. The, the fact that I'm becoming increasingly excited with every passing day that football season is almost here. So I, I don't want to get like overly hyped up and just be like, oh yeah, this is a 10 win team. And, but um, I definitely do feel, feel good about them moving forward. I think having with the improvements of Nussmeyer and Daniels, I think that's just a major upgrade at quarterback from last year uh, for Max Johnson, who doesn't look like he's going to get the starting job at A&M. Um, so, you know, if you have an upgrade at quarterback, to keep Boutte healthy, um, even with the offensive line question marks, if the defensive yeah. line can play at the level that they're playing, I think it just makes life easy on everybody. So um, overall, I, I think I left spring at like seven and five, maybe eight and four. I'm feeling pretty good about an, uh, an eight and four season at this point. Um, I can't good. go any higher than that, but I, I think eight and four, I'm, I'm feeling good. So yes, I have gone up a little bit, but I'm also very excited. There you go. Matthew Bruni getting excited by the minute. Football is upon us. Thank you, my friend. Always. What time is the uh, scrimmage tomorrow, by the way? Oh, man. Let me let me check the email. Is it let me 10:30? check the email. August 17th, 10.30 a.m. 10.30 a.m. All right. Get your breakfast early. Get your workout in and go cover the Tigers, and we'll see what happens on a very important day tomorrow. Matthew, thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you.
All right, buddy. You take care. Football season is here. Matthew's excited about that. And the game, you're going to be excited because the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Now, you can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with all the accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and guess what else? Tickets to LSU and Rage and Cajun football games, and there's even more. So enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and The Game. Look, this is a sports talk radio station. All right, so um, you come here to listen to sports, and we give all kinds of things away. Really do. If you just enter the game clubhouse and join it. But let me tell you, it doesn't get better than this one, the ultimate tailgate giveaway. So don't delay. Don't procrastinate. Don't hesitate. Get in the game, on the game, 103 Seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles. We'll be back talking raging Cajuns with Corey Diaz after this timeout here on the Jordy Helper Show. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we welcome you back. September 3rd is a big day for all you Cajun fans. Southeastern Louisiana comes to Cajun Field for a 6 o'clock kickoff to get the uh, Mike Desimo uh, era underway as the head coach of the Cajuns. That's a that's a great rivalry. It's a, It should be a great crowd. The Lions ought to bring their fans from Hammond. Uh, that would be a, about a two-hour drive for them. Should be should be terrific. Should be terrific. Uh, Corey Diaz not answering his phone. Hopefully, he will join us as he covers the Cajuns for the Daily Advertiser uh, on a day-to-day basis. The Cajuns had their um, first scrimmage of fall camp on Saturday. Uh, the tape is in, and uh, they'll be uh, trying to determine some things. And it's, it's really amazing. Um, all the teams that we follow. So we follow the Saints, we follow LSU, we follow the Raging Cage, we follow McNeese. Um, all these teams having to replace a quarterback. All of them, even the Saints, because you didn't have Jameis Winston for the majority of the season. So if Winston's healthy, uh, all those buffoons that played quarterback uh, last year, the, 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 um, the rotating chairs, uh, I mean, they were awful, awful. So the Saints are going to be better at the quarterback position. LSU, uh, Max Johnson gets the start. You know, they lose Miles Brennan to an injury. Max Johnson takes over. Um, okay, so-so. But the LSU was terrible. Terrible team. Terrible season. Just a terrible throw it out the window. Whether it's Garrett Nussmeyer or it's Jaden Daniels, LSU is going to be better at the quarterback position. McNeese loses um, Cody Ogeron. Are they going to be better at quarterback? We'll find out. And the Cajuns lost Levi Lewis. Um, and apparently, uh, Coach Dez not ready to name a starting quarterback coming out of that scrimmage on Saturday in the competition between Ben Woolridge and Chandler Fields goes on. 
can the Cajuns have better quarterback play than what they had with Levi Lewis? Uh, I'm not so sure about that one. I'm not so sure. Uh, in fact, I would lean on the just the other op direction. Um, that's going to put more pressure on the defense to deliver, more pressure on that running game to deliver, and uh, and we'll see how these quarterbacks play. Um, so when will the Cajuns know who the starting quarterback is? Uh, man, who knows, right? <laughs> this thing, this thing may go all the way down to a game week decision. Um. Probably in all likelihood, the team will know that Saturday or that Sunday, the week before the first game. Um, but those that cover the Cajuns and you, the fans, probably won't know uh, till later into game week. So there's a long way to go, long way to go on that front. So just uh, you're going to have to show some patience. And uh, wait and see and, and put your faith uh, in the coaches and their evaluations. So we'll see. I, I, the strength of the Cajuns is its receiving core. Michael Jefferson, Peter LeBlanc, Dante Fleming, Earl Rogers Jr. Um, all returning from, from last season. And Coach Dez was a quarterback. So you know he's not going to sit on the ball. You know he wants to throw it. So that is their strength, and they'll try to see if they can play to their strength. So they're going to throw the ball more this year than in years past, in my opinion. I really do. Um, and I think they're going to rely on the pass to set up the run rather than the way it's always been, the run to set up the pass. I don't think either one of these quarterbacks has the wheels that a Levi Lewis had and that ability to scramble and make plays on the fly. Uh, but we'll see how they go. And you got to be able to execute. And if they can give the quarterback, whoever it may be, the time to throw it, uh, the, quarter, the, the wide receivers are good enough to get open and if they can execute, then this raging Cajun team is going to look a little bit different than those in the past because they're going to throw it around the yard a little bit. Um, so that's one of the big noticeable differences. But they, you know, not only not only is there a deep receiver room, but there's really kind of lack of depth at the running back spot behind Chris Smith. There's little to no experience whatsoever. So. Um, Get the ball in the quarterback's hand. Get it out of his hands quick. Let the receivers run quick routes, quick reads, and get it going. I don't think they're going to change much defensively at all. Lamar Morgan is the new defensive coordinator. He's going to have a three-man front. Um, they've had some departures at the linebacker position, uh, so they're going to have some more defensive backs uh, on the field. Um, and that's just that's good as well because teams are going to throw it much more so uh, than than in the past because you've got the new additions of Marshall and Southern Miss and James Madison and Old Dominion uh, coming in. So um, interesting, interesting. Uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for Coach Des to prove himself. Uh, but again. For Cajun fans to expect the same type of success this year that they had last year, you're you're in a fantasy world. You're in a dreamland. That's not going to happen. 
Uh, there's too many positions that are having to be filled. That was a veteran squad with a coach that had substantially increased the win total year after year after year. It was their time, and that's terrific. And Billy Napier parlayed that job into a huge payday in Gainesville. Uh, this program will take a step back as far as how many wins they get. I don't think it's going to be a dramatic step back, but they're going to take a step back. Um, they just are. And they, they, the league has gotten tougher. Uh, and yes, granted, they have been picked preseason to win their division of the Sunbelt Conference, and that's great. That's great. But that's a preseason poll. And we shall see. And we've talked to a number of people who said, yes, the, the division that the Cajuns are in are by far, it used to be like the SEC East to the SEC West with Alabama and LSU and A&M and Ole Miss and Auburn. They were always, always good. The East has come up a little bit now with Georgia. Everybody expects Tennessee to be better. Everybody expects Kentucky to be in the fray. Uh, everybody thinks that Florida is going to be a little bit better. Uh, time will tell on that one initially, initially. But in the Sun Belt, the Cajuns have the most favorable schedule um, and the weaker division. The other division is with App State and all those teams. Man, that's murder. That's murderer's row. So they've got that in their advantage. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens. A lot of question marks, but, you know, Southeastern is a, is a very pivotal game for them. Very pivotal. Uh, they'll beat Eastern Michigan. Then they have to go on the road to play Rice, and that's certainly a winnable game. Winnable game. Monroe, um, Cajun should be favored in that one, uh, even though it's on the road. And then then the grind comes. You got South Alabama coming to town. Then you got to go to Marshall, and that's never, ever, ever an easy easy trip by any stretch of the imagination. So just like a lot of these teams, you got to find your quarterback. Um, and when, when Desimo says, um, look, quarterbacks, and I'm, I'm trying to read, read this as to what he said. Let me, let me pull it real quick and um, let you, let you listen and interpret this. When coach Des talked about the quarterback play, he looked at the tape from the scrimmage, and he said um, the following. Uh, here we come. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Where is it? Ah, I have to watch. All of them operated within the system nicely. Does that give you any confidence? Sounds like we got some uh, – the Kings have some – Mediocre quarterbacks at best. No one stepped up yet, but there's still time. There is still time. So we shall see. Um, Cajun's got a big-time commitment uh, the other day. Um, and from up in North Louisiana, a huge get for them. And I'm trying to find that again. Golly. Here we go. Big commitment out of Neville. Um Fobbs White uh, where's number one big time commitment Matthew Fobbs White offensive uh, line uh, from Monroe Louisiana so so that's cool that is cool we'll, we'll try and get Corey on um, next time next time we'll take a break 
uh, right here. But first, um, boy, I tell you what, that was that was interesting to say the least. The Astros um, are back, and we have our another giveaway for you. We always do. It's another giveaway. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. You can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll come back, wrap up our number one, set the stage for a lot of Saints. Talk with the Black and Gold Report in hour number two here on the Jordy Hilpert Show on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Delta Media is your home for high school football this season. What a lineup we've got. Listen to this now. St. Thomas Moore on the game right here. 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High on MeTV FM 97.7 FM. Karen Crow High on Z 105.9. Southside High on Mustang 1071. Vermilion Parish on 1063 Radio Lafayette. St. Landry Parish. Parish on News Talk 98.5 and Barb on the game 1041 Lake Charles. Is that enough? I mean, my goodness. Make sure to download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or even on the road. Delta Media, no doubt about it, is your home for Friday night football. And, uh, Cannot wait. It's so, so much fun. I've said it so many times. 95% of these players that are playing high school football, when their whistle blows and their last game as a senior, that's going to be it. They'll be playing flag football for some intramural team at the college they go to and, or fraternity that they play, that they pledge to. And that's great. That's great. The percentage that go on to play college football is so minuscule. So this is a great time, especially for you parents, to go to go watch your son or your relative, your nephew, whoever it may be, to go play high school football. Man, that is terrific. That is ter- and the crowds are getting better and better, and the coverage is getting outstanding. Think about all these. I mean, that's one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, eight opportunities just within Delta Media. Man, what uh, committed to high school sports. That is tremendous. And I am proud to be a part of Delta Media because of what they do. I mean, that's that's just that's just awesome. So there's gonna be football every day of the week. And now with the um with the conference, the Sunbelt Conference, um with the expansion, I don't think you're going to see as many of those crazy, crazy midweek games like like you always do. Um, now, the Cajuns this year, for example, were down from four midweek games to three. They've got at Marshall on a Wednesday, at Southern Miss on a Thursday, and they're home against Georgia Southern November 10th. That's also a Thursday. So um, the Sun Belt, and look, I don't fault them. I think everybody is bought in. I know coaches at first going, man, you're messing up my game week. You're messing up everything. We are creatures of habit. Um, I hate this, but for the good of the conference and to get the national exposure that you need, that's uh, everybody's got to sacrifice a little bit. 
Everybody does. And so I think all these teams have readily bought in. How about that Thursday night game at Southern Miss in Hattiesburg? How many UK Asian fans are going to make that trek um, down I-12 and uh, and head that way? Um, so that ought to be that ought to be fun, fun, fun. And then Georgia Southern on a Thursday night. Um, that's pretty good. Pretty fun schedule. So you gotta you gotta adapt and improvise and do what you gotta do when you're uh, you know you're not in the Power Five conference. You you're begging and starving for exposure, and this gives it to you. So everybody has uh, has bought in uh, to that. Yes, indeed. We are brought to you by Cajun Chef. Um, look, the Beard family for forever and a day, forever and a day, have put out the greatest product that you could ever imagine um, using only the finest peppers. They're famous for their hot sauce. They're famous for their Cajun pickles. They're deep in the heart of South Louisiana's Bayou country. And their seasonings are still made from time-honored traditional family recipes using only the finest spices and the peppers. Taste the full flavor of Cajun Chef's cayenne hot sauce. Yep. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef and give your family the Cajun food flavor that will keep them smiling and keeping them happy. Cajun Chef. It's decidedly different. It's delectably delicious. Cajun Chef hot sauce. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network each and every Tuesday. All the latest on the Saints in the Black and Gold Report. They're up there in the land of cheese, which started the demise once again of Les Miles when he went and ran that ball and ran that ball against Wisconsin, promising he would open things up. Thank God that era's over. All right, we're back. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, brought to you by Eon of Lafayette. These are for patients looking to permanently reduce stubborn fat in the upper and lower abdomen or flanks. Uh, it's a non-invasive solution for body sculpting that doesn't interrupt your normal daily schedule. Uh, there's no contradictions, no precautions. It's all good. Patients are able to pinch an inch in the treatment area and get rid of it once and for all. Eon of Lafayette opening next week Eon of Baton Rouge and Eon of Mandeville we promised you we'd get Corey Diaz for his take on the Raging Cajuns soon well we got him sooner than I expected. He's on board with us right here, right now. We're thankful he had something come up. We couldn't get to him when our when we thought we could, but better late than never. Corey, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh, my apologies. You know, uh, sometimes it's hard to, uh, you know, press pause on life. So uh, my apologies, but we're all good. Let's okay. rock and roll, my so, friend. It's not how you start, big boy. It's how you finish. So um, <laughs> I talked a little bit about the Cajuns in hour number one. Um, let, let's let's get your take on it because you're there every day. You get to listen in. Uh, it seems to me from the outside looking in that neither quarterback is really wowing 
this offensive staff. They might be pretty good, but you know, when both are, are doing quite well within the system, that doesn't tell me an awful lot. What's the latest on the quarterback position? Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail on the head there, Jordy. Uh, you know, it's kind of the same. It, I don't think the picture has changed at all since you and I talked around this time last week. I think it's neck and neck. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, Desimo did talk about, uh, you know, trying to throw a lot at, at both Chandler and Ben, you know, heading into the scrimmage this past Saturday just to see, um, you know, how much they would be able to absorb and obtain. Uh, and then go out and execute, and it, it almost kind of sounds like, man, they both absorbed and attained the exact same amount of stuff and, and executed almost identical. I mean, it's wild that, you know, these guys, I mean, you got to think about this story. These guys, truthfully, have been battling for this spot all the way back in, you know, late December, early January, you know, yeah. after the after the guys reported back after the holiday break. And, and so it's wild to me that in over eight months, that neither one has given the other an inch. And obviously, look, that's a, that's a testament and a credit to both of their competitive spirits. I think that's right. great. Um, but at some point, somebody really has to, to firmly take hold and grasp of this starting spot and say, I'm sorry, brother, we're brothers. We, we've been battling out all the way up till this point, but this job is mine now. And it's, my, it's my time to take this team, and we're going to move it forward. You know, when, when you talk about quarterbacks, like, for instance, LSU, for instance, you got Jaden Daniels, more known for his escapability and running ability. Uh, he's improved his passing. Uh, Nussmeyer is the better thrower. Uh, not as great a runner, but certainly still able to evade rushers when need be. Describe Ben Woolridge and Chandler Fields. And are they different? Are they similar? What, what do they bring to the table? Yeah, I, I do think, uh, Jordy, their skill set is, is is very similar. Um, okay. Now, Ben, you know, Ben War is, you know, he's he's obviously got some height on Chandler. I think Chandler on a good day is is, is five foot ten tall, you know, uh, and Ben is about six three, pushing six four. You know, obviously he has a thicker frame. Uh, he's able to. Um, you know, he's able, despite you know, kind of the what you would assume to be maybe a more lumber. Uh, type physique. He's actually a little more limber uh, than Chandler is as it pertains to, you know, if the pocket crashes in and he has to kind of get out, move his legs, and maybe keep his eyes downfield to maybe connect on a throw. Uh, ben is a little more uh, advantaged in that area of playing the quarterback position. Uh, Chandler, however, uh, has the, the sort of the what I would call uh, the spark plug type arm. He has, he has more juice you know, mm-hmm. he has more pop with the ball coming out of his hand. He can deliver, uh, you know, what I like to call Brett Favre fastballs. You know, I grew up watching, okay. you know, Favre with the Packers. And, uh, you know, he, his his wrist action and his throw remind, does remind me some of Brett Favre. And so he has a little more, you know, on his fastball than Ben does. Um, and, and, you know, talking with both guys at media days a couple of weeks ago, uh, I honestly think the biggest difference between Chandler Fields and Ben Ward is, is how they approach practice each and every day. Ben is more of a of a mental guy. He likes to uh, stand behind each rep. If he's not if he's not in taking the rep, he stands behind. He he goes through the play himself. He's watching. He, he's going through his reads and his progressions uh, okay. as the other quarterbacks are taking snaps and. 
And Chandler is more of a guy that he wants to, uh, you know, if he's not taking the rep, he wants to have the ball and he's tossing it around a little bit, you know, behind the rep. And he wants to stay loose. He wants to stay fresh. He wants to stay, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, as top tier as he possibly can. And so it's, it's almost two different mentalities going into this thing. But again, you know, as we've talked about, uh, despite the, the difference in, in, in mental uh, approach to this, they're still neck and neck, you know, with hmm. uh, a little less than three weeks to go before uh, yeah. we roll the balls out and start playing football yeah. games. Man, about 18 days before Southeastern comes to town. So this thing may be a, a, a game week to say, or, or like the weekend before um, the, the, the first game might find out who it is. At least the team ought to find out, I would think. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would – you know, I would I would suspect that you know maybe the the, the team maybe that Saturday or, or Sunday before, uh, you know, might would know who who QB one is going to be. Um, mm-hmm. But Jordy, I would not be surprised at all if we get. I believe it's that Wednesday we get the we get the official depth chart uh, from gotcha. the coaching staff. I would not be surprised if we see an or on the depth chart at the quarterback <sighs> position. Wow. Um, and then it's okay. just a matter of, you know, us peppering Desimo, you know, in the press conference that day. Okay, well, then who's going to take the first snap in the game? You know, who's going to be that first guy that you're going to roll out there? You know, is, is this also going to be a situation where, you know, you maybe you give a guy a couple of series and then you roll the other quarterback out there and right. give him a couple of series? Something that he has already said multiple times that he is vehemently against. He does not like mm-hmm. a two quarterback system. He believes you name a starter and just roll with that guy and that's his job. So, I mean, we're going to see how this goes. Uh, you know, he, he told me, at, you know, in New Orleans at Media Days that he wanted to have a starter by August 22nd, which I believe is the first day of classes uh, for the university. Uh, that's six days from now, Jordy. I'm I'm about 99.99% sure that he is not going to have a starting quarterback named in six days. Yeah. Um, and so this this timeline of his has been pushed back, and I, and I think you know he did say after the scrimmage on Saturday that he is comfortable. Uh, just continuing to let this battle between Chandler and Ben roll on through, um, I mean, in his words, he said, the the remainder of camp if it needs to be. I'm curious. uh, I believe when you're you're breaking in a new quarterback, after you've had a veteran like Levi Lewis for all these years, you don't have a lot of depth at the running back position. It seems early on this defense better be pretty darn good. Got a new defensive coordinator in Lamar Morgan. Um, from what you've seen, last year's defense was really good. What have you seen so far out of this Cajuns defense? Yeah, you know, I think I think the strength of it is, is along the the defensive line again. You know, you get Andre Jones back at at one of the end spots, and uh, you get Zion Hill Green, who's in on the inside. And um, you know, I do think that you know they they would love to see a little more um you know just some guys step up you know kind of behind them and create some more quality depth um but i do think that's kind of where this defense is going to make its money is up front with a with a really really quality uh pass rush um and then it's a matter of being able to um you know whether it's play qb contain or if it, if a qb breaks down and does try to run up the middle it's going to be about finishing tackles and i do think from what we've seen in practice so far, I will say I have been impressed um, with not only just the defensive linemen, but the linebackers and the secondary guys as well. They, okay. The defense finishes really well. They're really good at, at tackling in open space. 
Um, okay. And I think that's that's a that's an aspect that a lot of people don't talk about that I think no, separates right. a, a good defense from a great defense. Yeah, and so these guys right. are able to tackle in an open space, and um, you know, and I think on the back end too, I think this secondary, as good as people already think it's going to be, I actually think it's going to be a little bit better, even despite Trey Amos missing some time right now with a hamstring injury. Uh, I do think there was some quality depth behind him. Uh, Des said he he is hopeful that Trey will be ready for the opener uh, in 18 days, um, but if he's not, they feel comfortable with you know whether it's an Amir McDaniel or uh, um, you know a Keon Martin that they could move from uh, behind Eric Garr over on one corner to the other corner spot. So um, I, I think that I think the defense man is is like you said, Jordy, it's going to have to be kind of the star of the show early. Um, as the starting quarterback and the offense, the new offensive yeah. lineman that will be starting, uh, get those, let those guys get their feet under them, uh, maybe the first couple of weeks, and uh, I and I think this defense is more than capable of doing it. Corey Diaz, uh, the Daily Advertiser, covering the Raging Cajuns. The Cajuns got a good commitment outside linebacker Matthew Fobbs White out of uh, Neville High School up in Monroe. That's that's a good get for the Cajuns. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, three-star guy who had multiple uh, Power Five offers. Uh, I believe Baylor was really high yeah. on Bob's White, and, and I think I think TCU w- was knocking pretty hard uh, at his door as well. So uh, that's a. I would say in, in my short time on uh, on the UL beat so far, Jordy, this is I think this is far and away the the biggest recruiting win that I've seen for for Desimo and his staff. Um, you know, and look, I mean, look, you know about the Neville football program. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. one of the best in the entire state, and they they usually have four or five P five kids on their team every single year. And so, yeah, uh, I would, you know, if if I'm a Cajun fan right now, I'm really excited about getting this getting this kid on board because you know that he's coming from a quality high school football program, and he's going to be a quality football player. Yeah, he's well coached. Well, give me the when's the next scrimmage uh, for the Cajuns? Do you know? Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be this Saturday. Um, obviously, we haven't been giving we haven't been given an exact time when it will start. Um, but this will be you know this will be the final team scrimmage. Uh, you know, it, it, I guess the calendar officially flips from fall camp right to you know School. basically you get into yeah. game mode. So um, this will be the last team scrimmage, and um, you know from here on out it'll be you know for the coaching staff it'll be about. Um, even if there's still battles going on, which, i.e., the quarterback position, I'm uh, just going to continue to to roll those guys out there and have them compete. But at the same time, you're going to have to get a, a football team ready to play a football game. So it's going to have to be a hodgepodge at some positions for some of these guys uh, to continue to, to battle and compete for a starting spot, but also uh, be in their game notes and, and being being in these meetings and taking notes to ensure that, you know, if they do ultimately end up winning these jobs, uh, they'll be ready to go and perform. Uh, are we going to see another sighting of Ed Orgeron at, at camp? I mean, it looks like he and Des have struck up quite an accord. Yeah, they, um, you know, they, they, from, from what Des told us, uh, you know, I asked him, uh, you know, why Coach O um, was at the scrimmage this past Saturday. And, you know, obviously, I, look, I mean, my, my first initial uh, guess as to why Ed was there was, you know, Parker, his son, is an offensive right. analyst working with the tight ends on Dez's staff. Right. So I said, okay, maybe he's just coming to to watch Parker kind of do his thing, getting his, you know, getting his feet wet in the in the coaching mm-hmm. profession here. And uh, you know, and Dez actually opened up a little bit more about it. You know, he said that you know they've, you know, him and Coach O have actually spent some time together dating back to the spring, and 
Uh, they apparently have a really good rapport with each other and a budding relationship. And, and Ed's been um, really helpful, uh, according to Des, just in terms of, you know, sharing some of the things that's worked for him in the past, you know, whether it be at, you know, Ole Miss or USC or, or even LSU is as recent as that, you know, and, um, you know, and also sharing some of the things that didn't work for him, you know, and, and I know right. there's some jokes to be made there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I kind of agree with Des in the sense of, look, the guy just won a national championship three years ago. Uh, I mean, obviously there is a, there's a wealth of knowledge there in terms of, you know, kind of what it takes, especially with the ins and outs and the day-to-day operations of, of what it takes to, to be a really successful football program. And, and Ed's obviously been at the top of the mountain. So it's Corey, a, that feels it, like it's a great resource for him to have. And so um, I, I don't anticipate Coach O being around uh, the rest of uh, preseason practice, but who knows? Maybe he'll be there again on Saturday. It's a direct correlation. Raging Cajuns to, for success. They got to find a quarterback. The only way Ed Orgeron has success, he had a quarterback. And as soon as that quarterback left, Boop, out of a job. <laughs> Plain and simple. Find a quarterback. Corey, we're glad we found you, man. Better late than never. It's not how you start. It's not how you finish. All those cliches. Greatly appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, Jordan. Yeah, and real quick, too, right? So the so Ed had Joe Burrow, his, uh, uh, I believe, Burrow's successor at LSU, right, was Miles Brennan, who, uh, what, two days ago retired from football. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, that is correct. That is correct. There you go. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. Have fun. Uh, scrimmage Saturday is going to be important for the Cajuns and that ever-important quarterback position. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Y'all take care. All right. We'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Black and Gold Report. Bob Rose, Saints News Network here on the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's a Tuesday. That means it's Bob Rose time, and we welcome in Bob. Where is Bob today? Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, Jordy. Uh, Fortunately slash unfortunately, I'm stuck at home. Uh, but yeah, n- nice weather outside, have access, uh, all access to what the Saints are doing uh, right. up in Green Bay this week. So life is pretty good. All right. Very good. So the first of like three practices that the Saints and the Packers will have that leads up to Friday's preseason game number two. I take that these practices are more important than the game itself because I think you'll see all the real players playing in the practices. So... um Let's go from the top. Jameis Winston's there, but he's not participating, correct? Still not able to go. Yeah, that is correct, uh, Jordy. He, he started out the day in, uh, in pads, uh, went through some light workouts. Uh, but when the, it, it, when the actual competition started with Green Bay, uh, all the quarterback reps went to Andy Dalton and Ian Book. Uh, and that, yeah, it, for now, anyway, uh, the Saints are just content uh, yeah, to, to rest Jameis. Uh, are on the side of caution, uh, and I'm not necessarily against that. You go against what many believe is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, from your reports that you're hearing, uh, let's talk about the Saints' defense today against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. How did they fare? 
Saints defense had an outstanding day, uh, you know, especially up front. Uh, you know that that formidable defensive line that we already know that the Saints have really flexed their muscle. Cam Jordan had an outstanding afternoon, as did Peyton Turner. Uh, you know David Onyemata and the defensive tackles actually got some interior pressure, uh, mm. which in you know in real game situations, uh, you know, uh, surely. And this is just talking to our John Hendricks, who's up there, uh, you know, at Saints pa- uh, Packers practice. Uh, uh, they they put an awful lot of consistent pressure on Aaron Rodgers and his backup, Jordan Love. Uh, you know, the, the Saints from front to back had a great day defensively, but that started with their defensive line. They had an absolutely terrific afternoon. Peyton Turner probably uh, apparently turned some heads. He, he got after Mr. Rodgers a little bit. Yeah, he sure did. Uh, you know, and this was after uh, you know, it, Turner received a little bit of criticism in some circles uh, for what was a somewhat quiet night against the Houston Texans. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He absolutely flexed his muscle today. He had a nice, nice practice. All right. So Jameis Winston attended, he took the shoulder pads off. He watched, uh, offensively. I I read a little bit. Andy Dalton struggled a little bit early on. Let's talk about the offense. What did you see? What did, what are we hearing about that side of the ball? Uh, really, the offensive side uh, for the Saints struggled. Uh, you know, the Green Bay defense as well as the New Orleans defense really dominated the afternoon. Uh, Michael Thomas had a nice day, uh, but you know, the 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 receivers outside of uh, Thomas had a little bit of a rough afternoon. Uh, you know, there, there were some plays where they apparently had their signals crossed. Uh, you know, between them and not only Dalton, uh, but Ian Book, too, uh, you know, during his reps, uh, you know, which led to some miscommunication uh, and, and some turnovers in what would have been a game situation. Uh, you know, so, yeah, the Saints offense, as we saw on Saturday night against the Texans, uh, the New Orleans offense still has some work to do. But I believe that if you plug, you know, once you plug Jameis Winston into that equation and the bullets start flying for real, for lack of a better term, right. uh, yeah, that this offense takes a significant jump up. Uh, but the the unit struggled uh, you know, as a whole this afternoon. I'm going to read a quote from Dennis Allen in referencing Alvin Kamara. Quote, I think he's had as good a camp as I've seen, you know, since I've been here. I think he's in a really good place mentally. I think he looks exceptionally explosive. He's in great shape. He's in great condition. Yay, right? Yay. Let's give it to AK-41. Uh, yeah, for sure. And that's got to be a scary statement to the rest of the NFL because Alvin Kamara has always been in great shape, uh, has always shown out pretty well at practice. But for those of us, like you mentioned, for those of us that maybe wondered where Alvin Kamara was mentally with everything that's going on uh, you know, in, in his legal circles, to hear Dennis Allen come out and say that he does seem to be in a good place mentally and emotionally, and he seems extremely sharp and focused throughout practices, uh, that you know, if you're a New Orleans Saints fan, you could not hear more encouraging words. Are the Saints encouraged with Trevor Penning, or is it going to be a, a year where he kind of backs up um, on that defensive line and he grows and he learns how to play the game in the NFL way? Or do you th- still think he has a chance to win a starting job? He's going to be given chances to win the starting job. Uh, but if the season opener were this weekend, as opposed to week number two of the preseason, I'm yeah. almost 100% convinced that James Hurst is going to get those starting reps. Uh, you know, what we saw from Penning on Saturday night, as you pointed out, uh, you know, we saw a rugged and physical run blocker. Uh, 
who struggled a little bit in pass protection. Uh, yeah, there were three or four reps in particular uh, where he seemed to get his feet crossed. Uh, you know, maybe he's playing the game too much in his head at this point uh, you know, as a pass protector, and that's obviously going to turn around. Uh, yeah, he, he's going to be given a chance you know, to compete with James Hurst through the rest of camp, but at this stage in time, uh, unless Penning you know, really hits the gas pedal to the floor in his development, you got to believe that James Hurst uh, yeah, is the overwhelming favorite at that left tackle position to open the year as a starter. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. The Saints had to get down to an 85-man roster yesterday. They announced a dozen transactions Monday afternoon. They signed three new players, and that's where I want to start off with on this thing. Um, linebacker John Bostic, defensive end Nico Lalos. Never heard of that dude, uh, and and I know you have. And defensive tackle Jaleel Johnson. Okay, uh, it seems like they they they're bringing in linebackers left and right, and it's a revolving door you don't have to be a road scholar to figure out okay that's a position of need they're not pleased with the way things are going maybe the starting the starters are good but after that they're not pleased with it uh, yeah, that's a clear indication to me as well. Uh, and you, you got to be a little bit more apprehensive uh, you know, when you consider that Pete Warner has been very limited uh, you know, this week uh, dealing with what I believe is a groin injury, which can be a very, very yeah. tricky injury. Uh, yeah. But listen, I love the signing of John Bostic. Uh, you know, Bostic missed I, I, all but I think four or five games last year because of a pectoral injury. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's another tricky injury. Uh, you know, that tends to creep back his ugly head when a player is rehabilitating. Uh, but assuming he is 100% healthy, Bostic is a terrific signing for this defense. He is an uh, he is a whale of a run defender. Uh, you know, very athletic in coverage. Uh, you know, he'll be able to take on the responsibilities that New Orleans heaps upon their linebackers. Uh, and as we've seen from the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Dennis Allen and that defensive coaching staff, they prefer more often than not, they prefer to run with two linebackers uh, and play an extra defensive back on the field. And when you do that, that puts a whole lot of pressure on those two starting linebackers. I think Bostic is athletic enough, uh, even at 31 years old, to handle those duties. Uh, I, I like the way Eric Wilson played on Saturday against the Texans. Everybody's talking about how, Ch how well Chase Hansen played, right. uh, and he did have an outstanding uh, e uh, evening. But I thought Eric Wilson looked very fluid uh, hmm. and very stable in coverage uh, duties. Uh, and as we know about Eric Wilson, he is a very, very good open field tackler uh, and moves decisively within the tackle box. But outside of that, I'm still terrified about this linebacker depth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, John Bosick, if he's healthy, should make an impact impact for this New Orleans defense. Have they given up on Zach Bond? I know he's hurt a little bit, um, but that, they, that that's a guy that they coveted. They thought he was really going to be effective. He hasn't lived up to the billing. Is his time running out? Yeah, I think it absolutely uh, yeah, is uh, is ticking down to zero very rapidly. What we know about Zach Bond is that he is a good special teams contributor, but that he really hasn't been a fit in this Saints defensive scheme since day one when he was drafted back in 2020. Uh, you know, a stand-up defensive end throughout most of his collegiate career at Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, Bond still has that pass rushing ability uh, mm -hmm. you know, off of the edge, but he's too small to be a defensive end, and he looks absolutely lost 
when he's asked to drop back in coverage. And as we just said about the Saints linebackers, that's something that this unit, uh, the players in this unit are asked to do quite often. And Bond just hasn't done it. And the fact that he missed Saturday against Houston uh, and has missed the last week and a half of practice while dealing with, uh, you know, I believe Dennis Allen said it would turn out to be a hamstring injury. Right. John right. Hendricks said he was back at practice today, but he's behind the eight ball uh, in, 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 in his development and in this competition. Uh, and I think he has his work cut out for him to make this roster uh, okay. at the end of August. So there's a needed linebacker. I thought the defensive line was supposed to be a strength here, but they they pick up a defensive end who got cut by the Giants and Nico Lalos and a defensive tackle in Jaleel Johnson. Help me read between the tea leaves here. Well, Jaleel Johnson uh, is a player who the team released last week after signing him as a free agent uh, in the offseason. I was a little bit surprised that they released Jaleel before the Texans game. I thought that he stood a real strong chance to make this 53-man roster because of his run-stopping abilities at defensive tackle. Uh, And, you know, the Saints are a little bit thin there, uh, so I was happy to see them bring back Jaleel. Uh, The signing of Nico Lalo surprised me a little bit too, Jordy, Uh, especially after they released T.J. Carter, another defensive end who raised some eyebrows when they signed last week. Uh, Lalo's... Lalo's had a very productive career and an Ivy League school. He played collegiately, collegiately at Dartmouth. Uh, he only has a handful of games of NFL experience, so spent all of last year on the Giants practice squad. Uh, yeah, that's another player who I agree with you. I can't see making this 53-man roster, but I think when the Saints are bringing in players like that, they're really telling us that they want to have a look-see at these players, uh, you know, even at positions where they're unlikely to make the active roster. Remember, they're going to have to fill out the practice squad after all those initial cuts are done at the end of August on August 30th. So Nico Lawless, I could totally see coming back. Uh, I can't see him beating out Carl Granderson to know Passigno or any of those guys to crack the defensive line rotation. But Lalos is a guy that you might see land on the Saints practice squad. And when they bring in guys like this for a look, that gives those players uh, a little bit of experience in the Saints system too, where that if they – are on the practice squad they could be elevated and step into a role relatively smoothly all right let's take a quick time out here we'll continue with the black and gold report everything you need to know about the new orleans saints as they are practicing against the green bay packers we'll go a little bit more in depth than that we'll take you around the nfl with bob rose after this time out the jordy helpert show in the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros in southwest louisiana and we always cover the saints all right, we are back 37 minutes after the hour. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report. We continue. What else did you hear from, from day one? What stood out um, uh, besides you know some of the defensive plays? What, what stood out from practice number one today? Well, I, I, another thing that concern, another thing that I was hearing that uh, continues to concern me uh, is the offensive line struggles, particularly the second unit. Uh, you know, the, the first unit for the Saints, the, the projected starters, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're playing pretty solid football, so I'm not too worried about them. Uh, but, you know, the, the backup offensive line, who struggled mightily against the Houston Texans, uh, you know, continued to give up pressures uh, and, you know, failed to get consistent 
advantage at the point of attack uh, mm-hmm. against the Green Bay front seven. Uh, yeah, that's something that I hope gets cleaned up, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. they're going to continue their scrimmages against the Packers through the remainder of the week until uh, seeing them again in Friday night's preseason game. That's going to be a big test for this unit uh, you know, who, uh, who has been unimpressive, to say the least, so far in this training camp. Whose stock has gone down and whose stock has gone up, do you think, so far in camp? Uh, I'll start with up. Uh, you know, not that many of us were worried about Paulson and Debo, but that man is playing like an absolute all pro stud right now. Uh, another guy, I'm going to stay in the secondary. Another guy who, whose stock is skyrocketing in my view, uh, is Justin Evans. Uh, we wondered about the range that this young man had coming back from back to back Achilles injuries and not playing football at all since 2019. Uh, you know, he had a great outing against Houston, uh, another strong outing against a, 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 a an under rated Green Bay receiving core uh, you know, this afternoon. Uh, I think Justin Evans has a real inside strong chance uh, for, a, for a roster job. Chase Hansen, uh, the linebacker, continues to play good football. Uh, you know, he had another good outing against Green Bay's offense. Uh, you know, first and second teamers, we're starting to see Chase Hansen uh, you know, even get uh, some reps with the number one unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already mentioned Peyton Turner uh, on the offensive side. Uh, you know, everybody's He's starting to get a little bit critical of Trevor Penning, and I understand the frustration. You want your first-round draft choice on the field uh, and in the starting lineup as, uh, as soon as possible. But the fact that James Hurst is holding him off, holding off a number-one draft choice up to this point in the preseason anyway, I think is an indicator to how well Hurst is playing. Uh, Landon Young, who had an off night against the Texans after a strong opening couple of weeks of training camp, uh, Landon Young is starting to play better. Uh, and we're not hearing a lot. Lot of negative reports about Cesar Ruiz, uh, which I take as a positive, uh, as that 2020 first round draft choice, uh, you know, it, it needs to step up and start living up to the expectations uh, of a top draft pick. Uh, you know, the, the the running backs. We saw Abram Smith have a couple nice runs on uh, Saturday night against Houston before putting the ball on the ground in a key situation. He and Dwayne Washington are probably the leading two candidates for that number three running back job behind Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Uh, you know, we're not hearing too many uh, positive or negative things out of Mark. Uh, you know, it sounds like the coaching staff is going relatively easy on him uh, you know, to save those 12-year veteran legs. Uh, you know, Kamara, you know, he's the consummate pro. He's going to have a strong outing. Uh, I want to see more from Jarvis Landry in a game situation. Uh, not that I'm necessarily worried about the five-time Pro Bowler, uh, but yeah, and Landry had some you know real good practices leading up to the Houston game, uh, and he uh, he along with the rest of the starters saw barely if any uh, any time at all against Houston. I want to see a, a player like Jarvis Landry shine in these scrimmages against Green Bay, who is considered to have a top-tier secondary. Haven't heard much about Taco Charlton at all this this camp. Is he is he on the fringe? Yeah, he's absolutely on the fringe. Uh, you know, you you figure you look at the Saints' defensive line, uh, defensive end in particular. Uh, you you know Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Carl Granderson, and probably to know passing. You know, have those top five spots nailed down. Uh, you know, Charlton already had an uphill uh, climb coming in. Uh, you know, to make this active roster, and he really hasn't shined outside of a few exceptions uh, and, and eleven on eleven drills in training camp. He hasn't shown much 
as a pass rusher. Uh, yeah, you you want to see a player like that, a former first round pick, uh, who's looking to rejuvenate and boost his career a little bit uh, against this Green Bay team, who has a, a top tier offensive line, uh, a, a great run pass balance offensively. A guy like Taco Charlton is going to have to shine uh, in these competitions against Green Bay to even have a remote shot at the active roster. I wonder if Dennis Allen feels today as good as he felt last week as he canceled the team's walkthrough on Wednesday night and allowed the team's veterans to head home for the rest of camp um, three and a half days early. Then he saw them play against the Texans, but it seemed to me he has a a clear sign that he that he likes the way things are going uh, with his first Saints team. You got to trust coach. Uh, you know, until he give, gives us a reason not uh, not to believe in him and his in his approach, uh, I don't mind giving the veterans a little bit extra time during training camp. Yeah. All these guys get tired anyway and worn down. It's a long grind of a season, especially with an extra uh, you know, a 17th game added to the regular season. Now you got to keep these guys healthy, even as deep as the Saints are in different positions. We saw what injuries could do to this New Orleans team, uh, you know, at last year, and we've seen it throughout the league in recent seasons you got to keep those veterans fresh whenever you have the opportunity so i don't mind that uh, that philosophy at all saints need a linebacker right well there's a 25 year old linebacker that's asked to be traded after talks broke down regarding a contract extension and that's roquan smith who's heading into his fifth and final year of his rookie contract with the chicago bears hmm what do you think I think Roquan Smith would be a terrific fit in this Saints defense. Uh, you know, he's an underrated pass rusher, extremely athletic on the edge, uh, and, and very fluid in coverage. I think if Chicago moves him, and they have said that they are going to try to work things out to keep Roquan Smith in Chicago, uh, but if things continue to sour and, and the Bears decide to move him, you're talking a defender that's probably going to fetch a first-round pick in return, uh, a second-round pick at the lowest. The Saints already do not have a first-round draft choice next year. Uh, you know, Yeah, we know that they would get at least one back if Sean Payton decided to coach again, but there's no guarantee of that. Uh, you know, Draft choices are just too valuable, especially when you look at the pending Saints free agent players in 2023, I can't see the Saints having enough ammunition to go get a player like Roquan Smith. Uh, but you know, hypothetically, and we've seen the Saints and Bears work out deals plenty of times in the past. Uh, you know, to bring a player like Ro- like Roquan Smith to a, a defense that's already top three, not top five. This is a top three defense. Uh, you know, that that would just elevate this unit to an entirely new stratosphere. That would be fun. That would be fun. Uh, <laughs> quarterback uh, is still the big talk around the league. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's not practicing with the Niners. He's practicing on a field by himself. Um, we got Joe Flacco making a return to the starting quarterback position with a with a Zach Wilson hurt for the Jets. Um, we got a contract impasse with Lamar Jackson at, at this point in time. Man, what, where, what's going on here? Let's just be one of many, many reasons why we should be happy that we're the New Orleans Saints, because there's no such quarterback drama here. Uh, yeah, the, the biggest drama is Jameis Winston returning from a sprained foot, uh, you know, which is not a question of if, but when he is going to be back onto the field. Uh, and like I said earlier in the segment, uh, you know, I, I think Jameis Winston plugged back into this New Orleans offense makes a world of difference. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, 
you said it earlier this offseason. The 49ers are clearly going to go with Trey Lance in 2022. Yes. Uh, at this point, they don't want to take any unnecessary chances and get Garoppolo hurt. Uh, you know, a lot of people wondered about their strategy with Jimmy G. Uh, you know, why didn't they try to move him earlier? Uh, you know, because John Lynch, their general manager, has a certain asking price in mind. Right. Right. Uh, and yeah, as you see, you know, we've already seen Zach Wilson got hurt, uh, get hurt for the Jets, like you pointed out. Uh, yeah, and you know, uh, there's still plenty of chapters to be written in the Deshaun Watson saga, apparently. So you know, maybe you see a Jets team or a Browns team give the 49ers closer to what John Lynch wants to get Jimmy Garoppolo out of San Francisco and into another uh, different color uniform. Hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Um, to say the least, I think Garoppolo will get a hefty price. There'll be some team that goes, oh my God, it's like the Jets season's already over. Um, no no offense, uh, Joe Flacco, but I mean, it's like it's already over. I, I don't know. Um, are oh, Is there a date if Jameis Winston continues to hold out? Is there a date when you you start thinking, oh, my gosh, he hadn't played in a while? What about the timing with these receivers? What you know, is there a point in time where you start to get concerned? I, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm edging towards concern level a little bit now, yeah. uh, you know, not because of his injury or health status, uh, but because you just hit the nail on the head when you said chemistry with receivers. Uh, yeah, we we saw him work some of that up with Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Chris Olave in particular, uh, you know, early in camp. So we know that it's coming along. But if Jameis Winston uh, you know, sits out completely for another week or so uh, and doesn't end up with any preseason action. I am going to be l- uh, worried a little bit about early season rust uh, you know, and you know, early season miscommunications between him and those receivers, because we know that Pete Carmichael runs a very intricate offensive system. Uh, and a lot of that is based off of timing. Uh, you know, Drew Brees was a master of timing between that and his receivers. And that's why we didn't see a whole lot of receiver movement and new wideouts being brought in during the Peyton Brees era because of that timing. Well, not much in this same uh, offensive scheme has changed for philosophy wise so you still expect a timing based offense uh, albeit with some you know, with some additional shots down the field I just want Jameis Winston. Obviously, I want him healthy, so yeah. I have no problem with the cautious pr- uh, approach. Uh, but I want to see him get a li- at least a handful of preseason game reps before we go into that season opener against Atlanta. Do they play? Um, you know, so many of the, the the veteran star players were held out. Do do you see them playing um, in exhibition game preseason game number two? Yeah, I see more reps coming out of these guys. Uh, yeah, because in the Green Bay Packers, you have a team that's gone you know, thirteen and three for three consecutive years. Uh, you know, is still considered among the Super Bowl favorites, at least coming out of the NFC. Uh, And, you know, I I expect Green Bay uh, to look at the New Orleans Saints roster and feel the same way, uh, that this is a playoff caliber roster. uh, And, you know, it's at least a small sample test uh, of what our starting two units uh, can do. So I do expect the top line players. I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to get more than a handful of snaps, if any at all. Uh, But the other top top players off of both units for these teams, uh, you know, I, I would expect certainly more than one drive, uh, you know, maybe, maybe as many as three or four drives or a quarter and a half out of these guys for the most part. 
One last one. I'll let you get on this one. Anything to learn from the Texans game at all? Anything that you took out of that other than I'm glad it's over with and that it's done? Uh, I, like I told you leading up to the Houston game with preseason, I watched for two, yeah, for three things, development of the rookies. And we didn't see a whole lot of that, right. uh, yeah, health, uh, and fortunately, not yeah, knock on wood. None of the key players got injured or you know, right. were seriously banged up, uh, and the depth of the unit. Uh, we saw that defensively, as we expected, you know, the Saints defense up until that last drive, the Saints right. defense they were awesome. uh, from, yeah, from front to back played spectacular football. Offensively, it showed me that this unit still needs some work and they aren't as deep as perhaps, uh, you know, many of us hoped coming into this training camp. Uh, you know, so I'm going to be looking for the same thing in preseason game number two, uh, mm-hmm. especially against a deeper and better Packers team. Uh, you know, the, the number two and three units, uh, at least prospective units on the depth chart, uh, they're going to have to show me a little bit more consistently, a, a consistency, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, after Andy Dalton and the, you know, the starters that did open the game against Houston took a seat, that offense did nothing. I need to see more against a better uh, Green Bay defense. We'll talk about that next Tuesday against the Green Bay Packers. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, you're the best. Enjoy. Thank you. My pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You got it. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, special thanks to all of our guests today. Matthew Bruni, Corey Diaz on the Raging Cajuns. Bruni with the LSU Tigers. Bob Rose with the New Orleans Saints. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Wants to help you out. You become a member of the Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Tomorrow, we'll recap the huge scrimmage that takes place at 1030. We'll get a live update on that. Um, More on the Saints and the Green Bay Packers. Hump Day with Huguenin will join us. We'll see if we can get the Schwab on from Yahoo Sports and all the latest in the NFL. So it'll be a very busy day, a very, very pivotal day to say the very very least i'm heading out right after this show to go see my freshman varsity volleyball player yeah cannot wait cannot wait so james thank you so much for all you do oh today's your birthday august 16th happy birthday all of us to all of you madonna is 64 today and he just won on the pga tour will zalatortis is 26 so until tomorrow i'm jordy helpberg stay thirsty my friends do everything you can to stay healthy that's the most important thing your health let's be kind to one another and let's be happy Thank you for joining us today. Come on back tomorrow. So long, everybody.